So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism. Our province's older people deserve to live independently and affordably in their own communities and homes. Learn more and join the movement at skseniorsmechanism.ca. Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. We are here for Nelson Homes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. It's Sean Kleisinger in the chair for Michael Ball as uh, Ballsy has left on his private jet. To Vancouver, British Columbia for some uh, preseason football tonight at BC Place out west there in BC. All of our guests appear uh, on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime is a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. And tonight would be a pretty good night to order a nice pizza pie from our buddy Spiro there at Western Pizza. Sit back and enjoy and listen to uh, some great preseason football tonight. And hopefully it's a little bit better of a game than uh, we had uh, this past, I guess, Tuesday, two days ago. Not very often you got two games in one week. But here we are. I'm joined by the leader posts, Rob Vanstone on the Western Pizza Hotline. How you doing today, Rob? Well, I really feel like pizza all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to order yourself a yeah. I might have to order yourself maybe a pepperoni with some. Do you like mushroom on your pizza? I hope I hope you do. I, I just I just go straight pepperoni. Okay, so you're 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 a simple man. I always knew you were just a nice simple man. Yeah, I've, I've been called simple a lot of times actually, <laughs> usually in more of an accusatory or disparaging fashion. So I'll yeah. take it at this context. Well, the the game on a Tuesday, I don't want to call it uh, you know a simple type football game, but it wasn't very uh, wasn't very entertaining is the word. And the first thing I noticed when I saw the crowd, I was like, hmm. Okay, I know this is a rescheduled game. I know this is a Tuesday night game. But, like, from the naked eye, it seemed like there was only a couple people in the crowd there. And uh, what were your reactions sitting up in the booth there? Kickoff happened, and you looked down, and you saw not many people in the stands. Does it concern you at all? Yeah, it was a little bit. I mean, I think there's numerous reasons that contribute to it. If we we see a crowd that leaves us... um, raising our eyebrows on June 11th versus Hamilton, I think we've got a larger issue. But, um, you know, you you um, you have to factor in the, the fact that the game was originally to be played on a, a long weekend, um, and suddenly it's a Tuesday night at 6.30. I don't ever remember a Tuesday at 6.30 game. Uh, you, I think you got to factor in um, riders weren't playing any of their frontline starters, like the ones that, are, of the, of the biggest, that have the biggest names, they weren't playing, so there really wasn't much of a 
uh, I think, an enticement there. Uh, it makes it really tough for out-of-town people to get to the game when it's at 6.30 yeah. on a weekday or a weeknight. And not only that, it, I think it's tough for in-town people to get there in, on time for a 6.30 game, get off work at 5 o'clock, uh, make supper, get supper, and rush to the game. That's a big ask. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't even the most pleasant night in the world when you look at the, the wind and things like that. And I'm not sure that there still isn't some COVID weariness there. Um, we will, I think we'll have a better idea once the regular season begins, but attendance was an issue all of last year, and some of the requirements were were an issue. And uh, maybe there's a, maybe there's a spill over there. Yeah. Um, well into the fourth quarter, I basically thought that Ryder fans who didn't go to the game were demonstrating good judgment. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I'm not really too worried about it. The only thing is, like, when I think back in history, like, I think 2007, 2008, maybe, like, maybe even 2009-10, the preseason games at the, the old Taylor Field were completely sold out, 28,800. But back then, you know, there wasn't all these factors that you just mentioned and stuff. So maybe I'm just, you know, read it, reading in just a little too much. And I'm not too worried about it. I think Rider Nation will uh, come out uh when it starts up for real here. The other thing that you probably noticed, well, obviously you noticed right off the hop when you got into the stadium and once the game got going was the hash marks. And now me personally, I kind of like where the hash marks are. It kind of tightens the game and it kind of, you know, makes uh, the whole field more more available uh, when the start of the play happens. What did you think of the ha- uh, hash marks? You know, I... I... I was intrigued by it appearance-wise. Once the game noticed it began, it was it was tough to really determine to which degree to the degree the degree to which you could attribute the, the nature of the game to the to the hash mark. Mm-hmm. The Rough Riders offense really wasn't much different than it was last year in terms of its aspirations. It was a very conservative offense passing wise and they didn't try one pass that would you would categorize as a bomb. There was one pass that uh Traveled 32, year, 32 yards in the air and was fell harmlessly incomplete. Mm-hmm. And the quarterback who threw that, Troy Williams, is no longer with the team. Mm-hmm. So, um, as far as okay, let's see, if, let's see the big arm of Jake Dolagala. We didn't see that um, in terms of at least a, a bomb. We didn't see much in the way of anything in terms of a, of a of a pass from Mason Fine that would really threaten the secondary, except for the touchdown pass to Jasper Wee, and, and that was a Technically, a two-yard pass, right, yeah. actually twenty yards in the air. But they're, they're, the, the passing attack was very conservative on the part of the Rough Riders. So you really don't know if, if the Rough Riders took advantage of or even took note of the change in the hash marks. Now you watch the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, especially when Dakota Prukop was in the game, and his passes traveled an average of twenty yards beyond the line of scrimmage. And he, and he threw a couple of uh, longer touchdown passes, and the Bombers were much more inclined to be aggressive with the passing game. Is that, is that attributable to the change in the hash marks that Maybe. liberate some receivers that ordinarily wouldn't been, would have been part of the equation? Maybe. Maybe. Um, I, I, until we have a larger body of work, and I just think some numbers, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure we can, we can evaluate it. I'm not even sure if it's, if it's something that you can evaluate visually. Uh, they want to increase scoring. They want to increase that type of thing. So, I think by the end of the year, well into the year, we can say, okay, there's so many points per game, there's so many touchdowns per game, there's so many uh, average yards per per pass, and maybe you can compare those numbers 
to uh, to um, last year and even 2019 and say, okay, here's how it's trending. Uh, I'm not sure visually you'll be able to, unless you're a real dyed-in-the-wool coach, you'll be able to look at it and say, okay, there's a play where it made a difference. And the other thing visually that we noticed, and we noticed this from the first CFL preseason game this year, was apparently the penalty flags are yellow now like the National Football League. And uh, I only can ask the question, why? Like, why are you trying to make everything as small as that, you know, an American thing? Our flags have always been orange, Rob. You know, so and now they're yellow. I don't. I don't see a need for that. Did they get a good deal on yellow flags? Maybe. Sure. Maybe they're cheaper this year. I don't know. But that was one thing I was kind of like, well, uh, all right. I guess we'll just go with it. And we mentioned the quarterbacks. Obviously, our quarterbacks. They didn't throw the ball down the field at all. But uh, still, give me your grade on some of the things that Mason Fine did. Some of the uh, plays that Jake Dolagala did. I really liked a couple throws that Jake Dolagala had. There was one, I think it was uh, Sam Emelis's first catch of the game. He kind of, uh, Dolagala threw it across body along the sidelines and Emelis, I think, got both feet in bounds and it was just, you could just see his arm strength on display on that uh, one pass right there. Now, it wasn't like a, a pretty pass by any means. It's not going to make the highlight reel, but I was just like a perfect example of uh, Dolagala's arm strength. And then on on the other side, Mason Fine, I thought that he played pretty good for the most part, but, uh, you know, his receiver sure didn't help him. Mick Roberts, that one should have been caught. I mean, intercepted. Then that other one was fumbled on that hitch pass. What would you think of the quarterbacks on Tuesday? Yeah, I'm I'm still really curious about Dolagala because of the arm. I think he showed some things that enticed people, but I, I want to see if he can just completely air it out. We might see that uh, Friday against BC. Um, the pass to MLS, you, you pointed out, that was the one that really resonated uh, with me. And uh, it was a nice catch by MLS, too, and staying in balance yeah. with everything there. The, 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 the touchdown pass to uh, Duty Arist- uh, Dooley Aristildi, um, that, was a, that was a nice throw uh, and uh, ended up resulting in six points. And uh, he's certainly got a presence in the pocket, and seeing over the line of scrimmage is going to be, a, is going to be a, an issue. I, I, uh, I, coming out of the game, you had the feeling that Mason, Mason Fine still had a slight edge in the battle for number two, but I looked at uh, Jake Dolagala, and here's a guy who walked out of college and basically walked his way right onto the Cincinnati Bengals roster. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that, that intrigues me, and... And uh, what we saw at a Mason Fine were a lot of hitch screens and a lot of really safe passes. And now that is perfectly in tune with the type of rough type of offense the Rough Riders seem to employ under Jason Moss. What I want to see is if if they're in a situation where they really need to gun it downfield, can he make that pass? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think right now, based upon the uh, the early indications, uh, Jake Dolagala's arm strength would certainly serve him well in those in those situations. But as, as, as Mason Fine really been tested with a throw, look at some of the passes the Bombers quarterbacks were making over the middle into those tight windows, yep. whether, whether it was Drew Brown or D- Dakota Prukop. They were making some really tough throws, and some receivers were making some really tough catches. They didn't exactly have, a, in some cases, a, a ton of open space there, but they still zing the ball in there, which is perfect when I'm talking to Zinger. Yeah. But, um, but uh, can, can the Rough Riders make those throws? Will there be that inclination? Will there be that requirement? I just didn't see enough diversity in the in the offensive, in, in the play selection passing-wise to really leave me with a great feel for what they 
did do or what they're capable of doing. And I feel like we need to see some of those type throws from Mason Fine tonight because, you know, uh, that's why I would kind of give the slight edge to Dola Gala because I don't think that Mason Fine makes that throw to uh, to uh, Sam Emless along the sidelines there. Like, that was a really tough throw, and uh, Dola Gala made it look really easy. So I want to see, like, Mason Fine throw the ball downfield tonight against the BC Lions in order for me to like sit back and be like, okay, yeah, I'm comfortable with him being uh, the second string to, uh, this year. Do you? Would you agree with that? I mean, enough yeah. of these hitches. Let's see some uh, big-time throws here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a certain element of, okay, you need to show that you can execute the base offense. And we saw last year what, what Jason Moss likes to do. But I think you need these games don't necessarily count. Uh, there's there's some importance too, obviously, for players who are trying to make the roster. But let's stretch their limits a bit. Let's see what they can do. You know, can they make that big pass on second and twelve where you don't have the option of uh, just you know, trying to hit screen or, or what have you? Is there is there that uh, is there that capacity within his game? In the case of Jake Dolagala, we know he's got the big arm, but. Uh, can he make that second and twelve pass? Can he? Can he go over the top? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to see that. If you're not going to try it in the preseason, I mean, I'm not sure you're giving the yep. quarterbacks a full or fair, fair, full or fair evaluation. Let's go. Let's see mm-hmm. what they can do. If they get picked off, so what? Yeah. So uh, we're with Rob Vanstone on the Western Pizza Hotline. The other position group I kind of want to uh, touch on is uh, the running backs. I liked what uh, Frankie Hickson showed. Uh, Jamal Morrow. Uh, Shaq Cooper as well had a couple nice cuts there. What did you think of the running back group as a whole on uh, Tuesday night? That's so weird saying Tuesday night, by the way. But I know. It's, I'm still adjusting to that. I don't, I don't even think I, I had touched football games that were played on Tuesday night. Yeah, even those, I think, were just shouldn't be allowed, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is so weird. Um, I think they might have played. The Riders made a play on a Tuesday as a result of... Um, once upon a time of after 9-11, I think they have to reschedule some games. I believe there was like a Tuesday game in Calgary or something like that is, 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 uh, by virtue of the rescheduling. Whatever it um, is, I think fans just forgot it. We just put, put it in the memory bank. It's gone. Yeah, it Pretend was, it uh, never happened. I think another reason, too, I, I wonder if Oilers versus Avalanche was a factor. Oh, that's I think a good that's point. A, that could, that's an interesting opponent to have there too. And for some reason, for, it's for for a while, it appears like the, it appeared that the Oilers and the Avalanche would both put more points on the board than the Riders did. Yeah. But um, the uh, running backs, I am really intrigued by Frankie Hicks. And I wrote about him in Wednesday's paper. Pardon, pardon me, Tuesday's paper. Yeah, I saw that. Um, certainly not anticipating he would have the kind of game that he did. It was just interesting to me that he hadn't played a game of football in more than a thousand thousand days and his offensive coordinator is his, when he was a senior at Liberty University was Ken Austin mm-hmm. so uh, I thought there's just an interesting angle here and then he goes out carries six, all six times for 47 yards and displayed such a great burst and and great vision as soon as he got the ball and on the one big carry from Jamal Morrow the 16 yarder we saw the same thing he, he was handed the ball and took off and, and it just really underlined to me and I think to others, the, what wasn't there in the running game the previous few years, or arguably since Corey Sheets was the running back, right. uh, somebody who could maybe scare the defense a little. They've had kind of caretaker type type running backs for the first uh, for the last little while. William Powell got a thousand yards for them in 2019 and was decent enough last year, but there wasn't an element of explosiveness. 
you never have the feeling that the defense is really too preoccupied with trying to shut down the Riders' running game because if there were six yards there, they get six yards. But there was really not that element of a threat. And uh, if the Rough Riders have a running back that makes people think, okay, can this person take it 20, 30, 40 yards, take it the distance, then you've got a whole different dimension. And last time the Riders played were the – or last time Saskatchewan played host to a great cup was 2013, and defenses had to be so cognizant of calling sheets. One of the, running, one of the Rough Riders with another hometown great cup looming have a run game that has to be respected to the extent that it was in 2013. Mm-hmm. What does that open up as far as uh, play action opportunities for this team? So I like where we're uh, going here. I like this. I, yes. I just, I'm really intrigued by it. I really want to see what uh, what the running backs can do now with, with more starters you know, behind them. You know, Dan Clark is, is playing on on uh, on on playing tonight, for example, and the Lions, I'm I'm sure will play more established players along their defensive line than Winnipeg did on Tuesday. So how is that, how is that going to perform? I uh, uh, I really want to see it because I mean Craig Dickinson said during the off season I asked him about goals for the for the running running attack and he said they wanted more explosiveness and they didn't get that from William Powell. They got a reliable back who could do a lot of things, but the explosiveness was gone and. Of his first 40 carries last year, 38 of them were for less than 10 yards. Right. So then you see, then you see Frankie Hicks and Rick ripping off a game. You see Jamal Morrow going for 16, and you think, okay, maybe they have a running back who move, they actually move the chains on one carry on yeah. first down. Yeah. There hasn't been that for a while. Frankie Hicks and kind of reminds me of like a CFL version of a Maurice Jones Drew on the Jacksonville Jaguars back in the day. Kind of similar stature. I I don't know the exact like height and weight and stuff, but when I first saw him in action, I kind of thought of that. The other, I, w- I would like to talk about some defense, but there's so much to talk about on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe I'll have you on another time to maybe dive into the defense more once the season gets going here. But uh, the wide receivers... I'm really intrigued with because uh, Riley Borsma of your University of Regina Rams, he was catching the ball all over the place on Tuesday. And uh, Sam Emelis as well, first-round draft pick, he was making plays. I like that one along the sidelines that he he caught, and then he kind of made a little juke move, and then he did a Walter Payton little gallop. Did you see that, Rob? He kind of like galloped a bit. That was pretty neat. So uh, my question, I guess, to you, Rob, is... Who's going to be that seventh Canadian? I mean, we know that Micah Tights is going to be out uh, to start the year here. So will it be Sam Emelis uh, in the starting lineup for the Riders? Or will it be Nelson Lacombo on defense? What do you think? You know, Luke talked on the postgame show on uh, on on Friday, Tuesday. I've Tuesday. got my days mixed up. This has really made a mess of things. But Luke was talking about uh, Nelson Lacombo and, uh, and the possibilities there. And... He's apparently going at about 90% after the Achilles injury last year, but that's a pretty good 90%. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Micah Tights injury was really, you know, created a bit of a domino effect. And so you wonder if Nelson McCombo is, is the guy there. There's, I think there's a possibility, hopefully get remote for Charbel DeBeer to start on the defensive line and become that guy, but it sure looks, and again, I'm parroting what Luke Mollander had to say, and uh, I, I would tend to think that they'd want to go with four Americans on the defensive line. And uh, and now with and now with uh, tights out of the equation, you wonder if their front seven is going to be exclusively American. So that maybe creates the imperative of playing Nelson Lacombe. Or you know, they've been talking about um, starting two Canadian receivers anyway. Mm-hmm. So that would be Key and Schaefer Baker and pick one. That might be that might be Samuel Amelis. It might be Justin McKinnis. Maybe Mitch. 
Mitch Picton factors into the equation there. Can they stretch that and start three of Canadian receivers? I don't think so. So you wonder, even by, if by the process of elimination, if it's not Charbel De Beer, it's probably got to be Nelson LeCombe. Yeah. No, I would agree with you. I kind of, the fan side of me here is kind of sitting here being like, I want to see Sam Emelis out there. You know, he's a first-round pick. Let's make this a new era where our first-round picks are automatic starters on day one like they are in the National Football League. Obviously, there's a lot more that goes into it with the ratio and stuff, but I just want to see Sam Emelis play. I love the, the way he looked on Tuesday. Rob, thanks for your time. I kept you a little long here, but uh, looking forward to the game tonight at BC Place, and uh, we'll see what the Riders can do tonight. Maybe they can win a preseason game. When was the last time they won one? 2014 against the Red Blacks? They've won in their last 11 preseason games, and uh, the, 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 one, the, the one being a 25-25 tie with Winnipeg in 2017, so... Yeah, it's been a while. The first game the Ottawa Red Blacks ever played of any description was the Riders' last uh, last uh, preseason win. They were still defending Great Cup champions the last time they won, they won a preseason game. So. And uh, Mosaic Stadium on Elphinstone Street was uh, not even, you know, a pillar wasn't even in the ground yet at that time. So that just goes to show how long ago that was. That's amazing. Rob, thanks for your time today, man. I was, I was only 50. I was really young. Oh, I think I was... <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, how many years ago was that? No, I'm doing math. No, that's nine years, six, eight years ago. Wow, eight years ago. All right, Rob, enjoy the game tonight, man. Appreciate you. I look forward to it. Thanks for your time, Singer. Take care. All right, that's Rob Vanstone on the Western Pizza Hotline. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Sports Cage, brought to you by Nelson Holmes today. The Sports Cage podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism, advocating for Saskatchewan's older people for 30 years. SKSeniorsMechanism.ca Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Yes, sir. We're back inside the Sports Cage. It's 431 here, Saskatchewan time. We're gearing up for another big game tonight. I always find it funny how people say, ready for the big game tonight? And then you kind of sit back and think, yeah, it's not really a big game, but any time that our Saskatchewan Rough Riders, you know, hit the field, it's a big game. You can't be telling a Rider fan that tonight game, that tonight's game doesn't mean anything. Can't wait for it. Can't wait for uh, Cody Fajardo to uh, probably play a half of football, it looks like, and then Mason Fine and Jake Dolagala. We'll be split in the second half. And uh, let's see some Charleston Hughes tonight. Maybe a sack or two in the making. That would be uh, pretty sweet as well. You can text me up. I'm just sitting here all by myself in the studio. Ballsy left me to Vancouver because uh, he has better things to do than sitting around and talking with me. So it's just uh, me in studio today. And uh, you can text me up 306-936-6262 on the Capital GMC text line. It's powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership and we're actually going to hear from Ballsy in uh, about five minutes time I'm going to try to get a hold of him in Vancouver hopefully he's not sleeping in his hotel room hopefully he's all prepped up and ready to go for tonight I'm just kidding Ballsy's ready to go and uh, if you miss any of today's show by the way you can also find it it's going to be on demand for Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism our province's older people deserve to live independently and affordably in their own communities and homes you can learn more and join the movement at skseniorsmechanism.ca. Uh, and uh, we also, let's talk some Regina Red, uh, Red Sox quickly because last night's game was a, 
I was going to say it was an entertaining game. It was not really an entertaining game because, well, your Red Sox beat up on the Weyburn Beavers. Check this out. You might need to sit down if you're not sitting. The Red Sox won 21 to nothing. 21 to nothing. And I kid you not, I think the Sox scored like 13 or 14 runs in the in the third or fourth inning, whatever that was. So it was uh, quite the show the Sox put on. It was a little bit quicker of a game uh, than it was on Wednesday night, I guess it would have been. So uh, the Sox now start up a two-game mini-series in Swift Current tonight against the Swift Current 57s. That's a 7.05 p.m. opening pitch tonight. And then again, tomorrow night as well. So that's your Red Sox report for today. And it's brought to you by Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine in Fort Capel, kevinsmarine.com. And I just received a text from Ballsy. It looks like he's ready to roll, so we're going to take a break. And on the other side, we're going to hear from the voice of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders prior to the big preseason game tonight at BC Place. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. We are here for Nelson Holmes, and we're getting set for the Riders' second preseason game of this 2022 season, and hopefully a little bit better of a game in store tonight, and I think we will have one because, uh, you know, quarterback Cody Fajardo looks like he might be playing a full half of football tonight, and we're joined by the voice of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Michael Ball. He's uh, live in Vancouver right now. How you doing, Ballsy? How was the trip, man? Well, the trip was good, man. It was pretty good. We uh, we charged so that's nice. But I'll tell you what, man. I uh, Vancouver's a beautiful city. The problem is it's always rainy and cloudy. I could never live here. It's I, depressing, I really, isn't walk, it? It's depressing. I walked down to BC Place just to check where it was because we're not that far away. Uh, I started to walk back. It started to rain. So I've basically been in my hotel room the whole uh, day today working out and working on the, the game notes and everything like that. I'd love to be outside because I could see the ocean from here, but I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's raining, so there you go. Ballsy's getting a pregame lift in before he calls tonight's oh, game on yeah. the radio. I think you yeah. got a yeah, man, I, I'm impressed with that. Hey, we haven't talked to you since uh, the Riders released their cuts yesterday. That's kind of where I want to start with you. Uh, what do you think of uh, the cuts yesterday? Of course, the big surprise out of them all was Paul McRoberts, and we talked about it on the cage all week long, how he did not do himself any favors by dropping that one pass by Mason Fine, which was uh, intercepted on the plays. So let's start there. What do you think of uh, McRoberts no longer with the team? I was kind of, uh, I was actually not surprised because when we, you and I had Coach Dickinson on uh, prior to that game, he didn't exactly, like I say, jump through the radio with his praise on McRoberts. He wasn't critical, but he wasn't uh, uh, doing jumping jacks. Let's put it that way. And then you're right, that ball he should have caught uh, goes off his hands into the defender's hands and it's picked off. And I, I kind of felt right there that was the end of his time with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He could catch the ball mostly, but. Uh, had trouble with the playbook, so I, I thought he'd be in tough because they got a really good receiving core here, Zinger. Mm-hmm. Not just the Americans, but Canadians too. And so I thought, okay, well, that's that's not something that I was overly surprised with. And then the other big name, or the other name of note, was Troy Williams getting released. But I mean, the Riders brought him to camp. He was, uh, I think, brought in as a camp arm, but he proved more than adequate. They just couldn't get him enough reps because. 
they're set on Cody, obviously, and then they want to see more from Fine and Dolagala. Uh, and so there just wouldn't be enough reps, so they let him go. And uh, other than that, I mean, it's it's um, the only other surprising one for me, Zinger, is Troy Main Pope is still on the roster. He had a terrible, <laughs> terrible first game. Missing blocking assignments. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, miss, yeah, miss, yeah, miss blocking assignments. The handoff from Williams, he looked like a deer caught in headlights. Uh, you know, fumbled the punt, let the kickoff go over his head, but coach said he gets another chance, so he is right now, I think, uh, third on the depth chart uh, or fourth in the depth chart for running back, but they want to see him more as a returner. Well, yeah, you you mentioned, too, uh, the Troy Williams release, and that's kind of like what Coach Dickens said yesterday. It just comes down to him not getting enough reps because when you think of it, if Fajardo's getting a full half tonight and then, you know, the, say the third quarter goes to Mason Fine and then the fourth quarter goes to Dola Gala, I mean, Williams is going to be riding the pine on the sidelines the whole game. So it's just kind of interesting yeah. how sometimes, you know, they bring in that many amount of quarterbacks and they kind of know from the get-go that, you know, this guy's going to probably be released, you know, before the second preseason game. But uh, the you mentioned the receivers too, man. Like, where does the seventh Canadian starter go to? Uh, will tonight play a big factor in that if Sam Emlis has a huge game, for example? Yeah, that's a good point, Zinger. And, and that is one spot I think that they could probably lean towards because of when you start a Canadian, you got to have a backup, right? And so, you know, you've got Mitch Picton that could uh, – could uh, settle in there as, as one of your backups at receiver. So there, there's something to look at. Justin McKinnis is, is a Canadian receiver. So that's somewhere where they could go Canadian. They're also probably looking that they'd like to see something a little more of Jamal Campbell. Uh, that right tackle is a big deal. The other Canadian spots are, and it doesn't look great for Charbel DeBeers. I'm looking at the depth chart right now. He is uh, in his position in the interior on today's depth chart. He is third on the depth chart behind Demarcus Christmas and Garrett Marino. So it looks like uh, the team's leaning towards D tackle. And then you look here, uh, Nelson Lacombo was good uh, in the first game uh, from what we could tell from the broadcast booth. He is at, at the um, field side corner, and right now he's listed behind Godfrey and Yetka on the depth chart and Blaze Brown. So I'm not sure where they're going to lean. I, I think they'd like to somehow find it on the Canadian offensive line, yeah. but they have a couple of options, so they've got some flexibility there. But, yeah, MLS uh, looking forward to a big game today. We are with the voice of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Michael Ball, on the Western Pizza Hotline. We are uh, just a couple hours away now until uh, kicking off the preseason game number two out there in BC Place in Vancouver. Uh, just one more quick one for you. Uh, Michael, I don't usually call you Michael. That was weird. Ballsy. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the running backs as well. Uh, overall, looking at this game tonight, what's like a couple of the things that you were looking for? What do you want to see from the Riders? Me personally, I would like to see the offense open up a bit. You know, if you're going to open up the offense, mm-hmm. I mean, preseason is the time to do it. We saw all last year the Jason Moss offense kind of like dinking, dunking, like a classic NFL Europa-style offense. You know what I mean? Just kind of <laughs> slow and stagnant. Uh, I want to see some some uh, longer throws tonight. I want to see Mason Fine being able to, you know, stretch the field in some tight windows, making some tight throws. Uh, like, we know the guys can make hitch passes, right? Let's see the offense open up a bit. Don't you agree? 
Yeah, I'd like to see uh, what what Cody can do with Shaq and Duke Williams, what Justin McInnes is going to look like. I think Justin McInnes is going to be a matchup nightmare for teams if he can uh, stay healthy, kind of like Chris Getzlaff was back in the day when Dressler and Fantus uh, took all the attention from one and two, and uh, Getzlaff had the talent to clean up against the number threes, covering him. So I'm hoping McInnes can be kind of like that or a Lenius type of receiver. I want to see the running back spot. Jamal Morrow comes in. He's been a very patient man. He's waited a couple of years for his chance to be the starting guy now. Powell's out. Biggie was here before. Now he has a chance, and he has the inside track because he's a return man. But this Frankie Hickson out of Liberty, uh, the Liberty Flames, has come on, man, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do tonight as well. Defensively, uh, old Charleston Hughes starts on the end, so we'll see what kind of pop he's got in this game. Uh, yeah, Charleston Hughes there. And I want to see Larry Dean too. Larry Dean's playing that will side linebacker right. spot now with Micah Tights out. I would have, I would have thought uh, Larry Dean uh, might have been the odd man out before the Tights injury, but now he's got, I think, a, a second chance here to turn some heads coming back from that Achilles at the age of 34. So I'm watching number 11 tonight. And then on the other side for the BC Lions, Nathan Cherry apparently has done better than expected in training camp. The U of S mm-hmm. uh, uh, draft pick third overall. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do tonight. And, uh, yeah, Nathan Rourke, that's going to be interesting to see what Rourke can do with the number ones for the BC Lions, the Canadian quarterback. Yeah, it's going to be a good one tonight. And uh, we're going to have the Ryder Nation pregame show with Michael Ball, Luke Mullinder at 7 o'clock right after countdown to kickoff with Daniela Ponticelli, Wes Cates, and Don Hewitt. Ballsy, thanks for your time today, man. Enjoy your first call at BC Place in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. Maybe bring me back, uh, what do they sell there? What's good, a fish or an oyster or something? I don't know. I haven't been to Vancouver uh, in a while, fi- man. Are you a fish guy? Are you a fish guy? No, I'm man. I do anything back. Zinger, you're sounding so good, you're trying to take my job, and I barely have it, Zinger. Come on, man. <laughs> All right, man. I'll, I'll take a step back for now, and uh, we'll head to break. Have a good call tonight. <laughs> There's a uh, oh he's gone. There's Michael Ball on the uh, the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime is a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. Excited for tonight's game, Lions Riders coming up 8 p.m. kickoff. You can hear all, all the action right here on 620 CKRM. Got a sports ticker free up next, and then maybe we'll check in with head coach Craig Dickinson, some audio from uh, their walkthrough yesterday. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 C. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. It's 448 with your Sports Cage sports ticker. It's for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2090, of course. Only thing that matters tonight is the big Ryder game in BC. And uh, that, of course, starts off at 8 o'clock. We'll have your pregame show starting at 5 o'clock here. Countdown to kickoff with Daniela Ponicelli, the professor Don Hewitt, and Wes Cates as well in the house. And then uh, after that, the hour... Before kickoff, it'll be the Ryder Nation pregame show with uh, Michael Ball and Luke Mullinder live at BC Place in downtown Vancouver. Can't wait for that one. Well, it was a tough night last night for the Edmonton Oilers. Four to nothing. They lost to the Colorado Avalanche. Now they have a real uphill battle if they didn't have one before down 0-2 in that series. We got a game two of the Tampa Bay Lightning New York Rangers tonight. That one uh, drops the puck at 6 p.m. Saskatchewan time. The Rangers came away with a relative 
surprising game one win, but with that said, I believe the Rangers actually won all three meetings in the regular season, not like the regular season means anything, but you know what I mean. So uh, that game is tonight, and the Oilers are back in action tomorrow at uh, 6 p.m., some hockey night in Canada tomorrow night. You can text me up on the text line, 306-936-6262. It's powered by Capital Ford Lincoln, Saskatchewan's number one Ford dealership. And we got a couple great texts rolling in. Alfred's listening in. Regina, he says, hey, Zinger, good hosting today. Well, thank you, my friend. Thank you, uh, Alfred. And he says, prediction, if Cody can get good pass blocking, uh, he will be most outstanding player of the league this year. You heard it here first from Alfred in Regina at 4.50 p.m. on June 3rd, 2022. Mark it down in your books. If Cody Fajardo wins MOP, you better believe uh, Alfred better be getting a check from somebody. But uh, I'm with you, Alfred. I think if he gets some protection or uh, some uh, protection, rather, uh, that's going to go a long ways once the season gets going. And Adam was listening in and he uh, texted in during my conversation with Rob. Sorry, I missed it at the time, Adam. He says, what are the three on the bubble players you're keeping your eye on, Rob? So uh, I texted Rob Vanstone this question, and he got back to me ASAP, and he says, Adam, his uh, players to watch tonight is Rogers Campbell at right tackle, Larry Dean, and Charleston Hughes. Uh, and maybe instead of Hughes, Justin McKinnis, Rob Vanstone says. So uh, Justin McKinnis, Larry Dean, Rogers Campbell, but also kind of interested to see what Charleston Hughes can do tonight. It's going to be kind of... I don't think he's going to be going 110%. Uh, I know you'll ask a football player, and they'll be like, anytime you hit the gridiron, it's 110% full go. But I just kind of find it hard to believe that uh, you know a savvy old vet like Charleston Hughes will go out there and absolutely give it everything he has on every single play he's in there. I could be wrong. You know, that's why I'm behind the mic here. I'm just a, I'm just a radio dude. I don't know too much. But uh, with that said, one guy that does know a lot is head coach Craig Dickinson. And here's him yesterday after the Riders released uh, their first round of cuts. He's not only a fan favorite, he's one of our favorites in the locker room as well. But um, we just felt like we got some really good young receivers that played well in the first preseason game. And uh, it was a tough decision to make. We were on the fence a couple, you know, a couple of us were, it was kind of even those that, that wanted to keep them, those didn't it. But in, in the end, we felt like with the good young receiving room that we have, that we were going to go younger, and that's what we did. As you're giving Pope another shot, you kind of said you're a little disappointed as performing yeah. last game. Yeah, he lives to see another day, that young man. <laughs> so he knows, he knows he's fortunate to still be here, and he's... Uh, bound and determined to do a better job this second game. Overall, Coach, what are you looking for from your team? Improvement. Ballsy, I want I want our guys to play a little better than they did the first game, uh, be a little sharper on all phases, and just compete hard. I, I think BC's going to play their starters for at least a half, and we're going to do the same. So it should be a real good indicator of where we're at that first half. Is there any area in particular you're focused on in terms of your team? Not necessarily. I want to see the offense in rhythm. You know, I want to see Cody and that offense gelling and moving down the field in rhythm. Uh, I want to play a clean game. I thought we did a decent job in the first first preseason playing clean, but I'd like to see a little more offensive rhythm. I'd like to see our special teams play a little better. I thought we were just okay. And defensively, I'd like to see us uh, win some matchups in the pass rush. You know, we're we're not going to bring uh, 
There's a lot of pressure, but I want to see our guys get home when we're only rushing four or five. Craig, there's only nine names on the release, and if you said ten, is there a reason why there's only nine? I think it's because Micah Tights can go on six game, okay. so that's the tenth, so to speak, guy. Is there an update on uh, Leonard and Moncrief who aren't playing? Uh, we're going to leave them both home. Moncrief, um, I better double check on that. That's, as of last night, we were. Yeah, Moncrief's not ready to go yet. He's He's doing better, but he's still a few days away. So we're going to leave Moncrief home. And then AC's hand's been bother, bothering him a little bit. He feels like he could play if he had to, uh, but he doesn't have to. So we'll leave him home. Both will be week one? Yeah, we expect both to be ready to roll week one. Uh, your decision to let go of Troy Williams now to have these three quarterbacks, what was my math? Well, we just didn't know if we are going to be able to even play Troy. You know, Cody's going to get a half. And then it's down to two quarters, and there's two quarterbacks that are traveling besides Cody. So we, we didn't want to release Troy. Felt like he did a good job, but there's just no reps left. And so we figured um, we'd do it sooner rather than later. So how confident are you now in these backups that you have? I am. I'm confident in them. We feel like they're our top three, with Troy being a, a close fourth, but a fourth. So uh, we're going to give Cody a full half, and then we'll try to give uh, Mason and Jake one quarter each. No, we don't tell them to dial it back. We want to. We want to play hard this first. You know, this first half, and the second half is going to be just as competitive because it's going to be guys that are trying to make our team. Um, so no, we're going to let them play, and, and uh, I think sometimes as coaches we we cause more harm than good when we tell them to, to dial it back. We want them to play hard, be smart, like you always should be, uh, but compete hard and, and treat this like you would any other game. I talked to Cody about last season was that ongoing narrative that he couldn't get the ball deep down the field. Do you think that was a, an unfair label that he had to deal with? Maybe, but court, you know, quarterbacks get, they're like coaches. We get too much credit when things are going well and maybe too much blame when they're not. So uh, he's developed, I think, a little thicker skin and he understands the main, the main opinions that count are the ones in this room and in the locker room. And we never had an issue with him completing long balls that's a that's a shared responsibility receiver and and off offensive line to give him time and quarterback so I think we'll be better at that this year. Emily sure seemed to enjoy his first game he seemed very positive about it you had some great words to say about him as well um, I guess just heading into the second game what are you expecting from him? Just improvement same same that I answered earlier we expect him to have a little even though it's only three days later a little better grasp of the offense and a little better uh feel for the motions and the waggles but he he looked good out there he looked like he belonged and i think he'll just uh continue to grow that's what we're hoping for yeah charleston amongst the starters is that a role he's gonna be competing for yeah he's i mean he's competing for a starting spot just like just like the other guys and um we'll probably start the game with him and, and roll some other guys in as we go what do you want to see from him then? i want to see two sacks a tackle for a loss and a fumble recovery <laughs> but I'd be happy if he just got off the ball with some quickness and pressured the quarterback. What's, what's going on with Ray Tackle? You have Rodgers and Jamal Campbell. They kind of looked at earlier when you're going to go Canadian in that position. Has Rodgers played away in the pitch? Have either one of them? Possibly. Yeah, neither one of them played as good as they're capable of that first game, and they know it. So we'll probably give them each, each a half and, and, or maybe you know a quarter and a half and then give Champion the last quarter. We're still looking for a tackle. Uh, Vaughn's got left tackle. Sewed up for the most part. We're still trying to find our right tackle and our inside guys. Does the racial become involved in that too? A little, a little bit. But we'll play the best guys. We feel like we still have some flexibility. Yeah, he loves being. He loves being a part of the team, and he loves that locker room. So, 
we need him. You know, we, we, we felt it when we didn't have him last year. I felt he's really grown as a person. You know, he's, he's always had a short fuse and, and, and kind of a, a, you know, a little bit of a fiery temperament. But I think he's channeled it to the point where he's, he's able to continue to stay poised and, and, and think but he's very athletic and he's strong and he's got some toughness to him. So we're, we're thrilled to have him back and I hope he has a good, good game and a good year. It's, it's really big, you know. The best teams always have the best culture and the best camaraderie. And uh, having him stick around last year was excellent. He got, he got good care here too. That's another reason he sticks around is he gets excellent treatment from our therapists and we have good doctors. Uh, but uh, he also likes being a part of the locker room. And, Anytime you have your leaders, who are your best players, also uh, kind of uh, showing by example how we want things to be done down here, it makes it makes a big difference. There's the head coach of your Saskatchewan Roughriders, Craig Dickinson, media availability yesterday. And that puts a wrap on today's abbreviated edition of the Sports Cage. Today's show was brought to you by Nelson Holmes. But don't you go anywhere. We're just getting started tonight. Countdown to kickoff coming up in less than a, about a minute from now with Daniela Paula Chanelli, uh And uh, the Professor Don Hewitt is going to be in there as well. I think Wes Cates is going to be in the house as well in a bit. So uh, thank you for listening to the Sports Cage. Let's pick up a big win tonight, Riders.